We've been in a series on the family. We talked about marriages, husbands and wives, and families and kids. We've transitioned through all of those. And this morning, we're going to finish this session that we have been a part of, the journey of a lifetime. And we're going to talk about those who are in the final stretch. Those who have fought the fight and now in that final stretch of life as we know it. There have been a lot of nouns and verbs and adjectives to try to describe the older generation. A lot of things like maturity, full bloom, seniors, elders, ancient, gray panthers, probably a lot of them. But I've decided that old is a pretty good word, friend. I don't have a bit of trouble with it. It's a great word, a good word. It's an honorable word is what God is telling us in his word concerning that. Do you know that there are more older people living today in this society, the United States, than there has ever been? In fact... There is 1.6 million people past 65 years of age in this nation. And what surprised me is that there are over 72,000 people who are 100 or over living in this nation. So there is a place and there is work to be done as we grow older. The life expectancy has increased every year except the last three years. And we have had a long, lengthy life in this particular country that you and I live in. It keeps increasing. Someone said that old age is always 15 years older than I am. And that's probably right. Somebody, though, said 80 is a wonderful age if you're 90. And that's probably right as well. There's a lot of lists of growing old, and you've heard them. I'm going to let you hear a few more. And then we're going to get into God's Word. You know you're getting old if everything hurts, and if it doesn't hurt, it doesn't work. You know you're getting old if you look forward to a dull evening. You know you're getting older if the birthday candles cost more than the cake. You know you're getting older if the little gray-haired lady you help across the street is your wife. You know you're getting older if in the morning you hear snack, snap, crackle, and pop, and it's not your cereal. You know you're getting older if the gleam in your eyes is the sun hitting your cataracts. You know you're getting older if by the time you've lit the last candle, the first one's already gone out on your birthday cake. You know you're getting older if you have too much room in the house, not enough room in your medicine cabinet. You know you're getting older if you stop buying natural foods because you need all the preservatives you can get. You know you're getting older if your knees buckle but your belt won't. 
And you know you're getting older if your idea of a long trip is to the back of Walmart. You know you're getting older if the funeral director calls you and says, how are you feeling? It's dangerous. You know you're getting older if new laxatives interest you. And you know you're getting older if you're getting tired of older jokes. Well, so much for that. What does God's word say about us getting older? Well, he's got a lot of things to say. But there's one passage that really perks my attention, blesses my heart. And it's in Joshua chapter 13, verse 1. I hope you have a copy of of God's word in your hand. You'll follow along as I read aloud that particular verse this morning. I ask you to stand. Would you do so? Joshua chapter 13, verse 1. Now Joshua was old and advanced in years. And it's interesting, God come back and told him that. And the Lord said to him, you are old and advanced in years. And there remains yet very much land to possess. There remains a whole lot of things to do. And you've got work to do, Joshua. You've got work to do. I believe that's a lesson to me and to you and to all of us. Would you pray with me? Father, I thank you for this particular season of the year. I'm thankful that you tell us, your word tells us, that Jesus Christ will reign over the house of Jacob forever and his kingdom shall have no end that's that little babe in the manger in this season may we magnify Jesus Christ with our words and with how we live before the world that's around us Father I thank you that your obedient son abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. And Father, help me, help my church right here at Grapevine. Help us to demonstrate to Madisonville and the world around us that we know and love Jesus by keeping his commandments. Oh, Father, would you answer our prayer? I pray in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Isn't that a great passage that we just read about this man, Joshua? You remember he and Caleb are outstanding men to start with. But here is something that God says to them. And when he says that to them, he's speaking to all of us. How do you finish well? How do you finish well after you've lived maybe many years? How do you keep from growing colder as you get older? How do you do that? Well, I think there's some things God's Word tells us to do. And I want you to listen carefully. First of all, if you're going to finish well, you must have a positive attitude. Number one, a positive attitude. We need to wear our age proudly. 
and not be intimidated by our age. Proverbs 20, verse 29 says, And the glory of young men is their strength, but the splendor of the old men is their gray hair. Do you see what that's saying? Gray hair is a splendor added to the age that you have put out through all these years. Wear it proudly. Gray is beautiful. Don't let anybody tell you any different about that. Proverbs 16 verse 31 says, The silver-haired head is a crown of glory. It's a crown of glory. It is found in the way of righteousness. If your hair is found in the way of righteousness where you are now, it is a glory. Your head is a crown of glory, that silver hair. But let me tell you something. If you're mean and you're godless and you don't care anything about God, it's not glory, it's just a covering on top of your head. You need to understand that. God tells us that. It's what it is. If you're in this part of the journey of life and you love the Lord, Jesus Christ, and you delight in serving Him and serving others for Him, then I want you to know you can have an attitude of gratitude and you can have that righteousness that God has promised to you. And I want to tell you, it's better to be 70 years young than 40 years old. It's better. You need to know that and understand that. If your attitude is filled with optimism and praise and thanksgiving, you can have a life and an age that's 70 years young when you get there. General Douglas MacArthur wrote something. You may have heard it, but I want you to hear it again. Tremendous. Here's what he says. Youth is not a time of life. It is a state of mind. It is not a matter of red cheeks, red lips, and supple knees. It's a temper of the will, a quality of the imagination, a vigor of the emotions. It is a refreshing refreshing of the deep spring of life. Nobody grows old by merely living a number of years. People grow old by deserting their ideas. Years wrinkle the skin. But to get up enthusiasm wrinkles your soul. And don't you sit there with a wrinkled soul. Worry, doubt, self-trust, fear, and despair. These are the long, long years that bow the head and turn the growing spirit back to dust. You're as young as your faith, as old as your doubts, as young as your self-confidence, as old as your fear, as young as your hope, and as old as your despair. Isn't that great? You are as young as your faith and as old as your doubts. Tremendous. When gray hair is accompanied by this kind of positive attitude, it's a crown of glory. Let me give you a second thing that you must have if you're going to finish well. Secondly, a purposeful activity. A purposeful activity. God's not finished with you as long as you're breathing. He still has something for you to do. God has no retirement And God does not give a discharge from His army. You're not to get out. There's still things to be done. And because you're older does not mean that there's nothing for you to do. There is something for you to do. Dr. R.G. Lee, a great Southern Baptist pastor of years past, on his 84th birthday was interviewed 
by some of the press. And somebody asked him, do you intend to stop preaching? He's 84 years old. He said, of course not. You could hear Dr. R.G. Lee, you'd know that's exactly the way he said it. Why should I? I am physically able, mentally sound, and spiritually desirous, and in love with Jesus. Why shouldn't I keep on preaching as I have done for 62 years? And he did, until God took him home. The clamor against old age and its activities is a shame that goes on in our world, mostly in the Western world than anywhere else. A scholar, Dr. Newman Darling, said after doing an analysis of some of the greatest people by their achievements in this nation, he took 500 individuals that history had judged by their by their active lives and their achievements. And here's what he found out. Listen to this. He found that almost 80% of the world's greatest figures chose active lives between 60 and 80 years old. 25% of those he studied continued beyond 70 and 22% beyond 80 years of age and 6% beyond 90. Don't tell me there's not something for you to do, regardless or irregardless of your age. Gladstone, the fourth term prime minister of Great Britain, left office at 85. Michelangelo at 87 produced the last judgment, in all probability the greatest single picture ever painted. That's not all. John Wesley preached with almost undiminished power and eloquence at 88 years old. But that's not all of his story. In his career, he traveled 250,000 miles, they estimate, and none of it by gasoline, electric, or steam power. He wrote down hundreds of volumes of books. He preached over 4,000 messages. Goodness. Edison invented at 90. Wright was acclaimed the most creative architect in the world at 90. Shaw was still writing, producing plays at 90. Kent, I'm not like any of those people. No, praise God. Let me tell you something. But there's a point in this. God's got something for you to do as long as you're living. I don't care what the age is. God has something for you to do in this period of your life. You're not to quit serving. I'm talking to a lot of people who reach the age of retirement, 65 in this nation, and you sat down. And you never did anything else. I want you to know that's in direct violation to God's word for you. God has plenty for you to do. Plenty. A life of safety is no life at all, and that seems to be what most of us want. We've gotten the idea that that's the way life ought to be, and we're just going to go through it doing as little as we possibly can, being on the safe side all the time. Joshua 13, 1 again. Now Joshua was old and advanced in years. And the Lord said to him, You are old and advanced in years. There remains very much for you to do. Very much land to possess. You still have a job to do. Listen to Titus 2, verses 2 and 4. Listen to it. Older men... You're to be sober-minded, diligent, self-controlled, sound in faith, in love, and in steadfastness. Let me read that again. 
I'm going to add something to it. Men, we're to be sound in faith, sound in love, and sound in steadfastness. Older women, likewise, are to be reverent in behavior, not slanders or slaves to much wine. They're to have their life under control. They are to teach what is good and so train the young women to love their husbands and children. That's some of the things that God has us to do, wants us to do. It's what we're supposed to do. This is some of them for men and for women. We are to be in service for our Lord. And I want to tell you something. All of you over 65, I want to tell you, if you and I don't pass on something that God has put in us, heaven help this nation. We have no other choice. God has called us. He's put some things in our lives that we don't need to end up in a grave with. We need to pass it on. We need to pass it on. One retiree said this, and I like it. Never say to me, he's too old to be and to be bothered with those things, but say, listen to what he wanted him to say, but say, look, you old rascal, you got more time than the rest of us, hop to it. I like that. I like that. Hop to it. God's not finished with you yet. Refuse to think of yourself as a has-been. You're a is. Right now, God has something for you to do. He has something for me to do. There's yet much land to be conquered and possessed. You must have a purposeful activity. That's not watching television. Goodness, God wants to use you to give mature wisdom and judgment and guidance to a generation of aspirin eaters and tongue takers. They need the wisdom. They've lost their way. We're on the journey of life and they're struggling to find out where to go. Let's suppose we all start this journey in New York and we're traveling to L.A. Some of us get ahead of the others, but let's suppose you now are in Denver and and I'm in Chicago. I ought to pick up the phone and call you and tell you what are the best roads or ask you what are the best roads? What are some sites we need to see? What are some things I need to avoid? That's what this race and this life is all about. That's what God's Word teaches. It's what we're to be a part of. The Bible teaches that those who are older, who have been further down this road of life than others, that God has given maturity and wisdom to you that He wants us to pass on. It's supposed to come from you to the younger ones. When we get older, we have more time and we have less time. Listen to Psalms 90 verse 12. So teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. Listen to the rest of it. We're to do that now in this generation just as any other generation this has been spoken to to get a heart of wisdom while we're going through this. Invest your days. You don't have many left. I don't have many left. They're They're worth too much to be spent on idleness, to be spent on just money, 
to just be spent on pleasure all the time. So many people get 65 and they're just going to pleasure for the rest of their life. God says there's more to it. Don't be like Uncle Jimmy. Somebody asked Uncle Jimmy, what do you do all day long, Uncle Jimmy? Uncle Jimmy thought for a few moments and he said, well, I just sit and think. And I just sit and think. And sometimes I just sit. Well, you know, that's where we are, it seems like, so many times. Some of us who are over 65 ought to quit moving and settle down for a moment and let God tell you what direction He wants you to go. And some of us over 65 who are sitting ought to get moving. God has something for our life. That's what He wants us to do. Invest those days, those years that you have left in eternity. Have that spirit of Joshua. That's what He says. I'm going to finish well. I have to have a positive attitude. I have to have a purposeful activity. I have to have a prayerful appropriation. A prayerful appropriation. I'm talking about prayerful appropriation of the promises of God. Ken, it's easy for you to talk about all that. Let me tell you something working and personal, having the right kind of attitude, but you wait about 10 more years till arthritis takes over your life and your physical body. You wait till your retirement check is gone long before the month has. You just wait. You just wait until all you can do is stay around the house all day. Someone said that when a woman has a husband who's retired, she has twice as much husband, half as much money. And that's probably right. Kent, you don't know what it's like to be taking care of a spouse. No, I don't. I don't know that. But let me say something you're not going to like. God didn't intend for this stage of our life to be easy. He didn't intend that. Let me tell you something, friend. It is the struggle in old age and the faithfulness in old age and the difficulties that come with old age that I believe God makes as the black velvet background for the gem of glory that He places upon it. I believe He has a purpose in that and all that's going on. I believe that with all my heart. Romans 8 verse 18 says, For I consider that the suffering of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed in us or to us. You can't compare what's coming with what you're going through right now. There's no comparison. Trouble's going to come. But the Lord says, I'll be there. I'll go with you through that. And we must have purposeful appropriations. Isaiah 46 verse 4. Listen to this. Even in your old age, or even to your old age, I am He, and even to great hairs I will carry you. I have made, and I will bear, even I will carry, and I will deliver you, He says. Isn't that some promise? It's what God says. It's a great promise. Listen to what David said in Psalms 37, verse 25. I have been young and now I'm old. 
Yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken or his children begging for bread. Listen, white hairs, senior adults, listen to me. When you are obedient to God and you serve God, you're leaving a legacy for your children. God says they will not go begging bread. That's on us. That's what we can do. That's what he says. We can leave an inheritance, a blessing. Philippians 4.19, And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus, or by Christ Jesus, whichever your translation says. Did you see that? That's heaven's banknote. Goodness, the check is Philippians 4.19. The amount on the check, all you need. Every need, he says. Listen to the bank that backs it up. According to his riches, God and glory. And do you see who signed the check? The Lord Jesus Christ signed it in crimson blood. All you have to do is endorse it and take it to heaven's bank. You can do that no matter what your age is. That's what he tells us. There must be a powerful appropriation of God's promises if you're going to finish well. Let me give you a fourth thing if you're going to finish well. If you're going to finish well, you need pleasant associations. Pleasant associations. In other words, you need to be around people that will encourage you. And people that will pick you up. Proverbs 17, verse 22. A joyful heart is a good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. I know some people with dry bones. I really do. It's dried up. B.B. Krim, an evangelist from Texas, said this years ago. He said, Lord, I don't want to be like some preachers that I know that get crotchety when they get old. Oh, Lord, when I get old, keep me sweet. And you know what he said? He said, God answered that. He gave me sugar diabetes. That's what he said. And it's true. When most of us grow older, just about all of us, there's usually a change. We either get sweeter and more gentler, or we get more sour and caustic. I see that happen so much. Let me tell you something. 65 years and older... Don't you get inflexible. Did you understand that? You and I are living in a world of change. No, it's not like it was. We all want to go back and get those back, but that's not where it is. You cannot deposit your knowledge in what God's giving you on another generation until you begin to walk in step with them on some things. Don't be inflexible. Move forward. And I'm convinced that all that has a lot to do with a sense of humor and the attitude that you have and you carry. Be able to laugh with others. Wear a smile. God, deliver us from sour old people. You younger people ought to say amen, big and loud to that. It's true. It is so true. Ecclesiastes 7.10, Say not, why were the former days better than these? You understood that, didn't you? For it is not from wisdom that you ask this. In other words, this day ought to be one of the best days you ever had. And the next one, next day, ought to be that as well. 
One little girl prayed, Lord, make all the bad people good. And then she went on to pray, and Lord, make the good people nice. I can identify with that. Maybe you can identify with that. Don't, get confu- don't confuse doctrine and tradition. You'll get all hung up on that if you do. You just stick with the Word. Do you know some old people who ought to get nice? I do. Pray that God will give you pleasant associations. People want to be around you. A 17th century nun wrote this. You've probably heard it before. Now you know who wrote it. Listen to what she says. Lord, you know better than I know myself that I am growing older and will someday be old. Keep me from getting talkative, particularly from the fatal habit of thinking I must say something on every subject, on every occasion. Release me from craving to try to straighten out everybody's affairs. Make me thoughtful but not moody, helpful but not bossy. And with my vast store of wisdom, it seems a pity not to be able to use it all. But you know, Lord, that I want to have a few friends at the end. Seal my lips to my many aches and pains. They are increasing, and I love to rehearse them and become but help me not to do that so I'll become sweeter as the years go by. I ask for grace enough to listen to the tales of others' pains. Help me to endure them with patience. Teach me a glorious lesson that occasionally it's possible that I might be mistaken. Keep me reasonably sweet. I do not want to be a saint. Now, she's a nun, so she's talking about being canonized, shot out of a cannon. She's not talking about being born again. But she says, I do not want to be a saint. Some of them are so hard to live with. But a sour old person is one of the crowning works of the devil. Boy, I got that. Help me to extract all possible fun out of life. There's so many funny things around, and I don't want to miss any of them. Amen. Amen. Have pleasant associations. You be pleasant. God wants you to have some friends when you come to this time of your life. You need them. You need them when you're younger. You need them when you're older. Don't enter this part of your life alone like I see so many people do. Let me give you the last one. If you're going to finish well, You must have a powerful anticipation. A powerful anticipation. We need to look forward to, as the old song says, to the land where we will never grow old. Oh my goodness. I didn't think about that a whole lot at 20. At 75, I think about that a lot. Where we will never, never grow old. The Apostle Paul had this kind of anticipation. 2 Timothy 4, 6, and 8. Listen to what those three verses say. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but all, to all who have loved, look forward to. He's saying, He is appearing. Paul was so close, he could smell the blooms on the trees on either side of the river of life. There'd been a time earlier in Paul's life when he wanted to stay, but he's willing to go. Now, he's not wanting to stay. 
He's wanting to go, but he'll stay if he has to. That's what he's saying. I'm ready to go. It's looking exciting, more exciting every day. Every day. Timothy, don't feel sorry for me, he's saying. I can hardly wait to get there. I'm ready to take off. There's a crown waiting for me, he says. One man, one man when asked how old he was, said this, and I liked it. He said, I'm on the brighter side of 70. You know what he's saying? I'm on the side closer to eternity. The brighter side of 70. Have you ever wondered what old agnostics and atheists do? What do they talk about when they get that age? Not a whole lot, is there? They don't talk about a whole lot. An evangelist, Jess Moody, said, Old atheists never die. They just go to hell. That's pretty succinct. The devil has no happy old people. No happy old people. None. Young people get a kick. There is joy in sin. But God has a warning in Ecclesiastes 12 verse 1. Remember also your creator in the days of your youth. Now listen to this part. Before the evil days come and years draw near of which you will say, I have no pleasure in them. I have no pleasure in those days. Where will your hope be then? How wonderful it is to know that the Lord Jesus Christ has taken the sting out of sin, pain out of parting. He's taken the gloom out of the tomb. That's who we're talking about. He gives hope that's steadfast and sure. Let me give you some life application and I'll be through. The eternal, to, the, the secret to eternal youth is not in trying to hold on to all the past or recapture all those things that are gone forever. The secret is in experiencing the daily renewing power of the Lord Jesus Christ in your life. That's the secret. That's the secret. Goodness, we're not decaying carcasses, walking around in these old broken down bodies. We're not dissatisfied spirits. We're citizens of heaven. We're just sort of trudging through all this to get on to where the best is. Working our way to the wilderness, out of the wilderness to the new, where God wants us. You need to understand that. The, yes, the, re, the best is yet to come. Best is yet to come. Let me ask you, if you're over 65, let me ask you if you're under 65. Let me ask you this do you know him personally? Do you know this God personally? Do you have a relationship with him? I mean a personal relationship. Not just knowing him from what somebody tells you, but a personal relationship with him. Do you have that? Through his son, Jesus Christ. John 3.15 is an interesting passage. It and Matthew 20 in a minute. John 3.15 says, And whosoever believes on him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Believing on Him, relying on Him, trusting Him with all that you have. 
and following him with all you are. Whoever trusts him relies on him will have eternal life. There is a parable that Jesus told. I don't understand it all and I don't claim to understand it all, but I've gotten something out of it. Matthew 20, Jesus told this parable about a laborer who owned, had a vineyard. And he went out at six in the morning and he hired some men to work in the vineyard. And he said to them, this is what I'll pay. They agreed upon it. They made a pledge there to agree to, to that. And they started working at six in the morning. And then the Bible says at nine in the morning, he went out and he found some more people. And when they come, he just didn't enter into a contract with them. He just said, I'll do you right. And then at noon, he hired some more. And then at three, he hired some more. And then at five, one hour till quitting time, he went out and hired some more who came and worked in his vineyard. You remember the rest of that. You remember the guys that come at six in the morning. They got all upset because the guy that come at five got paid just as much as they did. Now, I think there's two things there that I gathered. One of the things is, if you come to serve God, don't you feel that you've got to have a contract with Him? I want you to understand, if you're serving God, He'll treat you right. He'll treat you right. And if you have a contract with Him, He may fulfill that, but you may not get any other joy out. I am saying to you at 65 and whatever age you are over that especially, I'm saying to you that it doesn't matter what your age is, you can come into the kingdom to get to, of God today and he'll treat you right. He will treat you right. Some of us may went in at a lot younger age, but I want to tell you, you'll be just as saved and you will have that grace and glory that he wants to pour out on you if you come today. Have you done that? I want to tell you, you'd be saved right now. It doesn't matter what your age is. When you come to receive Him as the Lord of your life. Let me ask you to stand. We're going to be having our invitation here in a minute. I want to say to you this morning, would you be willing to say yes, Lord? Don't be embarrassed to say, you know, I've been in this church a long time, but I'm really not saved. Oh, we rejoice over the fact that you come to that admission that you're not saved. Maybe you've been coming for a short period of time. You may be under 65. Whatever your age is, God's been speaking to you. And again today, He speaks to you. And you know there's things in your life that are not right. And you want that peace and you want that purpose and you want that assurance of heaven. But you don't have it. God says you'll not get it until you come to Him and by faith receive Him as the Lord of your life. The Lord of your life. He sits on the throne and He has control. If you've never done that, would you do that now? Would you say, yes, Lord? I ask you to forgive me. I ask you to save me. Would you do that? Maybe God's speaking to you into the 